Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us, to learn about the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, the holy and anointed Lamb of God, the light of the world, the Savior of mankind. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or call us at 678-692-8870. You can also write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We look forward to hearing from you, and we pray that these messages of truth touch your lives. If you have been moved by these biblical teachings, please visit our forums online at covenantpeoplesministry.org and sign up to follow us on our YouTube channel, Covenant People. Thank you for joining us for another CPM broadcast. And now, here is our pastor, Jeremy Visser, with our next Bible study. Hello again, dear kinsfolk, and thank you for joining me this beautiful Sunday morning. And today will be the second part and the conclusion of our examination into the book of the minor prophet Obadiah. And as I briefly mentioned in part one of this two-part series, the Hebrew name Obadiah means worshiper of Yahweh, or simply put, a servant of Yah. And that is what each and every one of us should be, a servant of Yahweh. In fact, that's what a Christian is. But the theme of the book of Obadiah concerns the destruction of Esau Edom. And perhaps you're familiar with the story of Esau and his twin brother Jacob. But in short, Yahweh loved Jacob and Jacob ultimately became known as Israel the man. And his descendants are known as Israelites. But the book of Malachi and Romans chapter 9 both confirm that Yahweh hates Esau forever. And Esau was the older brother of Jacob, but his descendants are the Edomites. And in numerous books of the Bible, Jeremiah and Job, Isaiah, many others, this theme of judgment against Esau for all of his sins against his brother Jacob seems to repeat over and over. In that I mean that all the minor prophets, for the most part, agree that Esau is a confederacy. He joins together with the heathen nations and he sets his sights against Jacob, who, of course, are the Israelite men, women, and children. And so the book of Obadiah has much to say about today and as much as it had to say about the judgment against Esau the person. Because time and time again, we see this judgment is not only against Esau, but also against his Edomite bastard progeny. By way of review, I have mentioned that Esau married in with tribes that Yahweh forbid the Israelites, of course, to marry within. And that was part of why Yahweh hates Esau. But we left off in part one in the book of Obadiah, chapter one, verse 11, where we learn, In the day that thou stoodest on the other side, in the day that the strangers carried away captive his forces, and foreigners entered into his gates, and cast lots upon Jerusalem, 
even thou wast one of them. And so, as I proved in the first part, Esau was guilty of this. Esau put a stumbling block before his brother, and the New Testament epistles confirm that whosoever hates his brother within his heart, well, doesn't know the love of God. He's not born of God, my friend. We cannot hate our own kinsfolk, and we can't hate those of the womb. And that's what's being played out here in the book of Obadiah, a struggle that began in the womb between twin brothers, Esau and Jacob. And finally, we learn about the Edomites and their stubborn refusal to aid the Israelites during the time of their wilderness wandering. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 20, between verses 14 and 21. But all of these prophecies are against Esau and his people for doing these things against Jacob. And so, verse 12 says, But thou shouldest not have looked on on the day of thy brother and the day that he became a stranger. Neither shouldest thou have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Neither shouldest thou have spoken proudly in the day of distress. And so, while we can learn that these are all traits of Esau and his descendants, we can also learn that these are traits to avoid within our Christian walk, can we not? We should never rejoice when our brother falls. We should never rejoice when any of the Israelite nations fall into calamity. And my friends, many of the Israelite men, women, and children are in a state of calamity or apostasy brought about by the locust armies. Perhaps we don't have time to go into that, but Esau shouldn't have looked on that day of his brother in the day that he became a stranger. Remember in the first part I proved Esau wanted to kill Jacob. And Jacob was cherished of Yahweh God, so that in and of itself is quite a grievous sin. But these are behaviors that we ought to avoid and can only lead us into uh, hatred of Yahweh God. Yahweh despises particular behaviors. That's what I'm saying. But consider the minor prophet Micah, chapter 4, verse 11, where we learn, Now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, Let her be defiled, and let our eye look upon Zion. But they know not the thoughts of Yahweh, neither understand they his counsel. For he shall gather them as the sheaves into the floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion. What do we learn? Well, we learn that once again, Yahweh God sets right. Esau came in, and we read about this in Numbers chapter 20, but he refused Jacob entrance through that land, and it would have saved him much distress. And Yahweh God forever held a grudge because Esau forever held a grudge. And we proved that in the first part. But also, while we're here in the book of the minor prophet Micah, consider Micah chapter 7, verse 9. I will bear the indignation of Yahweh, because I have sinned against him. Until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me, he will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it, and shame shall cover her, which said unto me, Where is Yahweh thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now she shall be trodden down as the mire of the streets. Esau has this mindset. 
The Edomites believe, well, where is the promise of his coming? And that, my friend, is why we are seeing an apostasy within the land. We are seeing more sin and more abominable behaviors and practices being accepted as the norm. Do you not believe for a moment that the day of Yahweh is at hand and all of these prophecies against those that are lifted up will be fulfilled? I assure you they will. To the letter, my friend. And with that being said, let's continue in the book of Obadiah, verse 13. Against Esau, thou shouldest not have entered into the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Yea, thou shouldest not have looked on their affliction in the day of their calamity, nor have laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. Who? Esau. Esau would take advantage and this is the way of the modern Edomite, my friend. Oftentimes you may work for them. And of course, they're going to pay you a percentage of what you're worth. And at the end of the day, many of them will steal from you. Well, that's a trait of the Edomite. If you're in calamity, well, they're going to take advantage of you. Perhaps this is why many modern Edomites are found within pawn shops. <laughs> Capitalizing on the misery or calamity of others. Verse 14. Neither shouldest thou, Esau, have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. Down to the very last survivor, when they ran into Jerusalem, they take over, correct? And they slay down the residents and the residue of many of the Jacobites, the Israelites. Well, we already confirmed in beginning the second and final part that Esau was part of that. Verse 11 confirms that. Thou wast one of them. Esau did all these things. He stood in the crossway and cut off his own brother, his own family, if you will, those that tried to escape. Remember, during this time, Jacob was attempting to make a peace offering with Esau, but Esau would not have it. Verse 15, For the day of Yahweh is near upon all the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Stopping right there. That's what I tried to relay in last Wednesday's sermon. And that is this. That the biblical teaching of karma is that you will reap what you sow. And nine times out of ten, what we wish to inflict on others will be visited upon our own head. And we see that so perfectly fulfilled within the book of Obadiah. He outlines all of the things Esau did against Jacob and then proceeds to pronounce the judgment saying this is exactly why. But the day of the Lord or the day of Yahweh is near upon all the heathen. It's for them to fear because they're non-Israelite nations. You understand that point? Even though Esau and Jacob shared the same womb. The original prophecy was two manner of men, two nations. One are the heathen, because, of course, Esau intermarried with them. And the second are who? The Israelites. So, do not rejoice in the day of our brother's calamity. Why? Because the day of the Lord is near, period. And it's near upon all the heathen. But Esau does not repent. Esau does not fear Yahweh God, which is the beginning of wisdom and the chiefest duty of men. The day of the Lord is near upon the heathen. As thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall return upon thine own head. 
Now, this is a teaching found within the Bible. For example, consider Ezekiel chapter 30, verse 3, where we learn, For the day is near, even the day of Yahweh is near, a cloudy day. It shall be the time of the heathen. Some manuscripts render this word heathen as Gentiles. Two manner of men, two nations wrestled within the womb of Rebekah. And the day of the Lord is near upon the heathen, meaning that the heathen should understand that and live in fear, but they don't. Several times we have confirmed that from Obadiah and Jeremiah, that the way of the Edomite is to be lifted up and say, well, the day of the Lord isn't coming. Yahweh God is not holding me accountable. And in many instances, they're correct because the Israelites are not holding them accountable. In fact, many of our people go directly after the Edomites' vices that they inflict upon us. For example, consider verse 16. For as ye have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been. Do you understand this metaphorical language? It's actually quite beautiful. It's saying that instead of them drinking from the spirits of the bottle, the spirits of the bottle drink them in, and they no longer exist. It's as if they will not be. And that is the judgment against Esau Edom, my dear friends. It will be as though they had not been. But not just Esau, the entire confederacy whom Esau intermarried with and made pacts with against Yahweh in the day of the Lord. So consider that. If Yahweh pronounces judgment, well, it'll be as though they had not been. Why? Because they drank upon my holy mountain. What's that represent? Well, it's supposed to represent, quote-unquote, the house of God. Remember, Yahweh does not dwell in a building made with men's hands, but wherever two or more gather, there he is in the midst of us. So, they go into the holy mountain, the Edomites. This is opposite of Petra. And they get drunken. And they drink continually. Oftentimes in Scripture, we are told, Awake, awake, ye drunkards. And that is because many of us walk around in a perpetual state of drunkenness. The book of Revelation says, Many nations of the earth are drunken with the wine of the whore of Babylon's fornication. So, consider that. It shall be that they swallow down and they shall drink continually, but it will also be as Esau Edom never was as if they had not been. Verse 17. But upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. Stopping right there. Upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. Not upon Petra. Having nothing to do with Esau, Edom. My friends, and remember the difference between Jacob and Esau. Jacob means smooth and white. But Esau means ruddy and hairy. They're complete different nations. And while Yahshua much later would open it up unto the Gentiles, remember, we confirm from Malachi that the Edomites are the people that Yahweh God has indignation or hatred against forever. And that includes the day of the Lord. Why? Because upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. Jesus Christ, my friends. Jesus Christ. And there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. When? 
in the day of the Lord, finally and ultimately. And what that means is, leading up until that time, and partially because of Esau and his descendants, Jacob had been oppressed within his wages, and we still are today. That was what I was trying to allude at, my friends. Many times we go to a job and we have to pay a tithe in upwards of 25 to 50% to Uncle Scam or Big Brother Esau Edom being Jacobites. And that, of course, robs God of his tithe. And in Malachi, well, Malachi comes in and attacks the Edomites and calls them God robbers. Don't be a God robber. Know that Jesus Christ is deliverance and there shall be holiness. And finally, in that day upon Mount Zion, during Judgment Day, when Yahshua separates between the goats and the sheep, there shall be holiness and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions. Finally. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship, be sure to write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. Or give us a call at 678-692-8870. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.org where you will find direct access to our extensive selection of audio sermons. You can also listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast on your mobile audio devices. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, please make your checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry, or use the donate button on our website to use PayPal. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. Now verse 18 here in the book of Obadiah, is an all-time favorite within Christian identity. And no doubt you have heard it preached countless times. It says this, The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble, and they shall kindle in them, and devour them, and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau, for Yahweh has spoken it. Where has Yahweh spoken at numerous places? Isaiah, Zechariah, and we'll look at some of those briefly. But notice that the house of Jacob, meaning the race or the offspring of Jacob, the Israelites, shall be a fire. We learn in Hebrews that our God, Yahweh, is the consuming fire, meaning that if he is our head, we also are part of that fire. And what did we learn from Jeremiah chapter 49? That part of of Esau's downfall is being destroyed by the Israelites, the descendants of Jacob. So point one is this about Obadiah chapter one, verse 18. The house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph a flame. No difference between fire and flame. Our God is a consuming fire and Esau Edom shall be for what? For kindle, for stubble and devour them. There shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau. Why? Because Yahweh has spoken this. Where has Yahweh spoken this? 
Well, the first place we should look at is in the book of the major prophet Isaiah. Chapter 5, we learn in verse 24. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of Yahweh of hosts, and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of Yahweh kindled. Well, that's one reason. Esau didn't obey, Jacob did. Esau despised his birthright. So also did Jacob contend for that birthright. How about also, while we're here in the book of the major prophet, Isaiah, how about chapter 9, beginning in verse 18, where we learn, For wickedness burneth as the fire, it shall devour the briars and thorns, and shall kindle in the thickets of the forest, and they shall mount up like the lifting up of smoke. Through the wrath of Yahweh of hosts is the land darkened, and the people shall be as the fuel of the fire. No man shall spare his brother. Esau and Jacob were brothers. In fact, Esau was about 20 minutes older than Jacob. But Jacob means heel catcher or supplanter. Jacob held on to the heel of Esau. But in that day of the Lord, not even the Israelites will spare their brothers, the Edomites. So, very important to remember. One more place before we move on, and that's here in the Minor Prophets, but Zechariah. Chapter 12, we learn in verse 6. In that day will I make the governors of Judah like an hearth of fire among the wood, and like a torch of fire in a sheath. And they shall devour all the people round about, on the right hand and on the left. And Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, even Jerusalem. So do you understand why the house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph a flame? Well, that is because we are part of destroying Esau, Edom. That is why Obadiah chapter 1 verse 18 is such a favorite. But they're not the only heathen nations that are destroyed. In fact, verse 19 continues that. And they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the plain of the Philistines and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria. And Benjamin shall possess Gilead. Interesting, is it not? Because many times we consider Benjamin to be cursed of Yahweh God, but they are a tribe of Israel, just like Judah is. And while they're all assembled under one olive stick in the day of the Lord, the house of Benjamin will possess all that once belonged to the Mount of Esau. That means their people. Their people. And we're going to prove that. Once again, in Isaiah. But this time, we're going to examine chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. We read in verse 14. But they shall fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines towards the west. They shall spoil them of the east together. They shall lay their hand upon Edom and Moab and the children of Ammon shall obey them, and Yahweh shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea. That's one proof. Another would be right here in the Minor Prophets, but Zephaniah, where we learn in chapter 2, verse 7. The coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They shall feed thereupon. In the houses of Ashkelon shall they lie down in the evening. 
For Yahweh their God shall visit them and turn away their captivity. So, needless to say, all of these prophecies against Esau will be fulfilled. And it is part of the captivity, right? We already confirmed that. He shouldn't have rejoiced in the day of Jacob's calamity. He shouldn't have cut them off so they would be able to survive as a race, as a people. Why? Because Esau was attempting to thwart the will of God. In Jacob, Israel, the man, would come the twelve patriarchs, would come the twelve tribes. Even those that we mention here, the house of Jacob, a fire, and the house of Joseph, which is much later added in or grafted in. Yahweh has spoken it. Where? Isaiah chapter 5, Zechariah chapter 12. But also in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 14, which we just covered, and Zephaniah chapter 2. They of the south shall possess the Mount of Esau. What we're learning is that Esau will lose all those ill-gotten gains that he took at the expense of Jacob. And his Edomite, tear progeny, bastard offspring will as well in the day of the Lord. That is why Obadiah chapter 1 verse 18 is such a favorite. Verse 20 continues on that theme. And the captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto Zaripoth, and the captivity of Jerusalem, which is in Sepharad, shall possess the cities of the south. That should sound familiar to you, my friend. And while we're nearing the end of this book of Obadiah, I would once again invite you to listen to Vision of Obadiah, which is a sermon I preached around October 30th or so, around Halloween of 2008. And the reason I'd invite you to listen to that is because it's very different than anything else we've ever produced. And this is meant to be a redo of Vision of Obadiah. And even though it won't possess all the sound effects and the death metal music and all of that, well, I wanted to spend more time at least looking at what Obadiah has to offer. Whereas in Vision of Obadiah, it was um, more or less me reading the text. And I suppose that's a mistake many of us make. In the Gospel according to St. Luke chapter 4, we read in verse 24 the words of Christ, where he says, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Now, I want to stop right there. No prophet is accepted within his own country, his own household, his own family, his own neighborhood. The reason for that is because oftentimes those around you seem to profess to know what sins they can hold against you. In fact, this was what they did to Yahshua. They said, is this not the carpenter's son? They held that against him because Yahshua grew up in a blue-collar household. But he says, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, and a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Eliseus, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman, the Syrian. Naaman, the Syrian. Now, we don't really have time to go into that as time is getting away from me. We only have about five minutes left. But understand that everything comes full circle. Christ taught this. The captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess that that the Canaanites once possessed. 
Esau intermarried within the Canaanite bloodlines. There were many tribes that he married into, but they were all considered cursed of Yahweh God because they were not the covenant people. The covenant people, at least the promise that was made to Abraham was to spring through his grandson, Jacob. That is why Yahweh loved Jacob and hated Esau and still does. Now, the final verse in all of the book of the minor prophet Obadiah is verse 21. And we learn this. And Savior shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be Yahweh's. What's that mean? That means finally the kingdom shall belong to Yahweh. And what's interesting about this word Savior's is many other manuscripts render this as deliverers, which technically means the same exact thing, but it's in reference to the Israelites. We've proven numerous times from numerous books in this two-part series that the Israelites make war with Esau, and they make war because Yahweh, their God, hates Esau and his Edomite care bastard progeny forever. So we learn that in the great and terrible day of the Lord, deliverers or saviors shall come up upon Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau. That means to be a testimony against them. To be a testimony against the Edomite, the enemy, my friend. And we better get this right. We're commanded to forgive our own enemies, but we're never once commanded in Scripture to forgive the enemies of God. So consider Revelation Chapter 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of the world are become the kingdoms of our Lord, and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces, and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks. O Lord God Almighty, which art and west and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. But notice also in verse 18, and the nations were angry and the wrath has come. That's Esau Edom. He could be angry with God all he wants, but Yahweh God will reign victorious. And part of his victorious reign is through his Israelite people. Now, we don't have time today, but you know that when Yahshua returns with a name written, that he returns with his saints. And in fact, the book of Joel attributes that to a day of him grinding the wine press <laughs> and the blood gushing out. We return in white, being the saints. Yahshua initially returns in white, but his garment is dipped in what? The blood of his enemy. So, he returns to make war with the residue or the remnant of the Edomites. And this is a prophecy that was given thousands of years ago. I've done numerous studies on Jacob, on Esau, and what happens, and why it's so important. This is the covenant people's church. It belongs to you, brothers and sisters, and we should understand that. But what is the covenant? Who was it made with? Not Esau. He's forever cursed. He's the people that Yahweh has indignation against forever. So we better identify who the Edomites are today. But he loves Israel, the offspring, the men, women, and children of Jacob, the man. Why? Because they're obedient. In every generation, there is a remnant. 
So my advice is strive to be part of that remnant. So by way of review, Obadiah as a book was written in Palestine about 899 to 795 B.C. It was written by Obadiah the prophet, and the theme is his own vision concerning Edom, but also as a book, and as we've proven in this two-part series, has quoted from other major prophets to drive home his point. And that's extremely important when we read, If these had come to thee, robbers by night, would they not have stolen till they had enough? Well, Jeremiah says they would have, at least the Israelites. Esau will not. And that is why Yahweh God must come back, return, and recompense upon Esau and his descendants' heads. Everything that they had in store for Jacob and his descendants. So once again, the Hebrew name means worshiper of Yahweh. That's what Obadiah means in Hebrew. Or, simply put, a servant of Yahweh. And I feel that's very important because each and every one of us are called to be a worshiper of Yahweh and we're called to be a servant of Yahweh. So Obadiah as a book concerns the destruction of Esau. And I say, praise be unto Yahweh God. Each and every one of us should hasten that coming day of the Lord. The statistics are this. It is the 31st book of the Bible. It only has one chapter, 21 verses, and in total, 670 words. It only has one command, but four questions. No promise, 30 predictions, and 12 verses of prophecy. Meaning, of all the 21 verses we've covered, half are not fulfilled. They will be fulfilled in the day of the Lord. Look forward to that, my dear friends. And so, until next time, this is Pastor Visser from Brooks, Georgia, and the Covenant People's Church and Fellowship, wishing you and your entire family great studies, war for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.org, and share your Christian testimonies, or ask questions, and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible study lessons and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website. If you would like to write to us, send your comments and queries to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205, or reach us by telephone at 678-692-8870. We thank you for your prayers and offerings. And we pray that all of you have been touched by these messages and continue to share the words of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.